in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of Hi, it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. So, Coach Lauren, how goes it this week? Oh, it's good. How about you? Oh, that's good. Glad, glad to hear that. Uh, you know what we're talking about today? I have, I have a, a working title. If you think it's okay, we'll just continue with this. I'm calling today's episode Understanding True Happiness. Aha. Is that okay? Yeah, I thought we were talking about happiness, which is why I had no other choice than to say that my week has been going well. <laughs> Very good. But let's, mm -hmm. before we begin, let's, let's set the tone and the mood. Oh. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to play a little bit of a song, oh boy. and I'm sure it will bring us right into that mood. Are you ready? <laughs> yes, ready. You're ready for happiness. Always. So uh, let me just, are you going to clap? Are you happy? Oh my gosh. I don't yep. need... I'm clapping. Right. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, as much as I love that song, and as much as it reminds me of you and your brother going to nursery school, uh, I have another verse I'd like to add on to that, if you don't mind my, my trying to sing it. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, I would love for you to add on. If you're sad and you know it, <laughs> if you're sad and you know it, boo-hoo. How was that? Because I don't know that this is an age-appropriate <laughs> song. Like, I'm not really sure. Well, the thing is, we, we talk about happiness, but what about sadness? I mean, what is is sadness the opposite of happiness? So, so I was looking into this a little bit, and it seems to me that you know, it's not just sadness. I mean, either we're happy or sad, but there's a lot of gray in between. Sometimes we're bored. Sometimes we just feel our lives are blah. And sometimes we just feel kind of disconnected. You know, we're, we're plotters in life. So we're not always happy. I mean, you can't always be happy, do you think? No, I don't. I don't think you can always be happy. Uh, and also happiness is kind of a relative term. So happiness means something different to each person. I believe that everyone's natural state is a state of joy. And that's sort of where your baseline should be. Like you should always fall back to this place of joy. And of course, things will come up along the way that will kind of, you know, create some sort of stress or negative emotion. But I would hope most people would always return to that state of, of inner joy or peace, which is our birthright. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's, it's hard to get there. Sometimes it's, uh, 
camouflaged with lots of life concerns. Yeah, also the term happiness itself, I think, is a little bit, if, if we wanted to get technical um, and talk about semantics, I think the definition of happiness is seeking for contentment outside of ourselves. So it's actually an external, like you are happy when someone does something you want them to, or you are happy when you get the thing you've been working for. And happiness is slightly different than joy. And joy, the definition of joy is more of an internal understanding and perspective on the world. So joy comes from within and happiness is more of an external fuel. Can I be joyfully happy? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. you know what? Let's let's talk about uh, the, the different types of happiness and go through each of them. Uh, there are three types, as I see it. There's personal happiness. There's functional happiness, and then there's social relationship happiness. And these are all interconnected to form this concept of happiness. But let's dissect them just so we can get a little bit deeper, especially in this concept that you just raised in terms of joy versus happiness. That's, I, I like that a lot because I never, I never thought of happiness as an external pursuit versus joy, which is an internal. That's, that's very, very compelling. So let's, let's throw that into you know, the three types of happiness. Mm -hmm. And if we can, can we start out with the personal? What is personal happiness? And I would like to start with a, a quote from, and I'm kind of taking your lead because I know you always bring in quotes, but this one struck me this week. It was by Ben Franklin. I call him Ben. You know, we were on very intimate terms, he and I. And uh, he said that uh, the Constitution only gives you the right to pursue happiness, but you have to catch it. And, and I think that's, that's really quite important. But I take issue with one word. You see, I don't think you catch happiness. I think you have to release it. What do you mm. think? I love that, yes. Because, you know, if, you, you know, if what we're saying in terms of happiness, if, if, if there's a clutter of uh, negativity, doom and gloom thinking, all that kind of stuff, that's a blockage. That's like a pipe with a, 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 a hairball in it, constantly of a sink. <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> Good image, right? And, <laughs> and, and the water can't flow through that pipe. So it's the same with happiness. If we clutter up our brains with insecurity and over-controlling life and things like that, we're not going to release that. Now, does that relate to what you were saying, the, the inner joy? That Could that be congested where it doesn't? It's there but it can get, you know, kind of uh, restricted by insecurity and over-controlling life. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant, that it's it's at our core, but when it's covered by all of the things that are uh, preventing it from emerging, like you just said, that's, the, that's when we are unable to access it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and also we don't need to have everything we want in order to be happy. I feel like true happiness is obtained when you find joy in what you already have. What you're saying is that if you if you keep externalizing the the, the need for happiness, if I have you know that that car or that that new house or that this or that, that you, you're forever chasing a carrot. Mm -hmm. So you are the queen of uh, being present. So I mean, how much is being present a part of happiness? Oh, I think it's it has everything to do with happiness in the moment. 
being present with what is, I think helps you to have so much gratitude um, because you just start to see things differently and there's no past and there's no future that clutters that moment. What is? You know, we go from personal happiness because that's just one component, but for many people, a, a more you know, challenging component is functional happiness. And that has to do with successful doing. You know, from a self-coaching standpoint, who you are as a person is more important than what you do. And what you do in life is not as important as how you feel about what you do. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people do you, my job is so boring, wah, wah. I hate school, wah, wah, wah. So, so if your attitude is, you know, in the sewer, you know, then you are certainly not going to find happiness. What you do in life is going to be like an anchor tied to you, pulling you down each day. Yeah, how do you handle the doing part of life? The doing part? Well, I think that a lot of people have it all wrong, where we think that we have to take action and we have to grind it out to get to this other side of success. Like you have to um, achieve certain things and then you will find true happiness. I, I remember one thing my father told me when I was young. He said, if you, if you have to count beans for a living, be the best bean counter you can be. And I had a hard time understanding that as a young person, but what he was saying was to invest your energy in what you do. There's a Zen expression. I always love this expression, chop wood, carry water. The simplicity of life can remain simple if we, if we imbue it with, with some sense of, of connectedness. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's very hard when you, you have a, a, maybe a bean counting job to find meaning, but, you know, sometimes the meaning is not intrinsic, you know, maybe, maybe it's, uh, it's extrinsic. And by that, I mean that maybe, you know, getting that paycheck and putting food on the table and saving for something that's necessary, that, that gives meaning to counting those beans. It makes it make sense. You know, I always say, you know, what serves us, what hurts us. And a lot of people that have mundane jobs, difficult jobs, they, they come to resent the job and then they resent the day. And then they start to fall into this pit of negativity. So I think it's very important that we, we try to connect rather than disconnect. And that, that's kind of a mantra I always live by, connect rather than disconnect. Mm. You connect. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and they they say that if you're able to raise positivity in the present, even if it's counting beans or if you're in some sort of job that's you're kind of like grinding it out or maybe you're searching for your next step in life, they say that just being able to find ways to raise your vibration, raise your positivity in this present moment, um, it is the key to success because when your brain is functioning at positive, it performs significantly better than when it is at negative, neutral, or stressed. The reason why is because when your brain is experiencing positive emotions, then it releases dopamine, which allows you to obviously feel happier, but it also turns on all the learning centers in your brain, at which point you are, I think they say 35% more creative, intelligent, and your energy levels rise. 
So simply by changing your perspective uh, and your positivity in the moment, you can change your output and your ability. Hmm. So in order to, to really change our positivity, one of the things we have to avoid, and I think you'll agree with this, we have to avoid comparing ourselves, you know, to our nine to five lives to that millionaire tycoon who's chauffeur around town or those Hollywood celebrities. I mean, we don't have the paparazzi following us around. Well, maybe you do. I mean, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but these comparisons, they're, they're like an infection in our mind. You know, they bring up doubts, regrets, unrealistic expectations. So how do we get away? I know we've we talked a little bit about this last week, but comparisons, making our, comparing our bean counting life, for example, with, with say, someone, a uh, Hollywood star. I mean, that, that really hurts us, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. And I think a lot of what we're exposed to is only glimmers of other people's lives. So I think remembering that happiness is relative. And even if somebody is living this glamorous lifestyle, you know, we see it as if that's something we want. And yet we're not privy to all of the information of that person's life. Like they also, I'm sure, struggle. But I think that's part of it is just remembering that you're only seeing, you know, what your perspective is on someone else's glamorous life, but also just maybe like being able to celebrate your own milestones and like your own small victories and using other people not as a comparison but more for inspiration if somebody else is able to find success in life then you also have that opportunity if you can find the way to do it i mean the highest uh, drug suicide etc divorce this comes from the most successful people, you know, those those tycoons, the, the Hollywood stars. Their lives are oftentimes in shambles. They, they celebrate the fact when they find someone that's, that has stayed married for more than five minutes. So, you know, the thing is that, you know, certainly, you know, watch what you wish for. Remember that old adage? Yeah. I, I've often, I've often uh, recounted this tale about, you remember my mother, your grandma Mary, mm -hmm. uh, how she... And, and, and to this day, I, I chuckle because she would, she would literally pray that I would never make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I would say, well, can I make a, a little bit of a lot? You know, she, but for her, it was the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she really, you know, she, she knew what she was talking about because certainly there is a corrupting effect with getting too much, uh, you know, living too much off that dopamine. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and she probably knew also that you, the true happiness is not found in things. And I think in our society, we're often confused by that, because we think that more money is going to bring more happiness. And it's proven time and time again, that that is not the case. I think more money can bring stability. And in that case, money is serving a purpose. But when you're seeking money just to continue to buy pleasure that pleasure is very fleeting mm -hmm. money itself is just a, an abstraction that we've created but it stands for power acquisition fame status so so we we look at money not so much as that that little piece of paper in our hand but what it can do for us and that's the that's the allure that's that's the seduction of money right Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in society that are considered successful because they have money would not necessarily be happy. So it's, it's a question of what is success really? Mm -hmm. That's a tough question because, you know, there's success in the eyes of others. And for us, you know, I certainly for some ego bound people, I mean, success may be being the head of something or getting the, uh, the Emmy Award or whatever it might be. But that's not the same as successful living. That's not the same as happiness. And, and we're making that distinction. And I think it's a very important distinction mm -hmm. because if, if you are equating success with happiness, then there, there may be a problem there, do you think? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. You're the joy. I was just going to say, I, I think I keep repeating myself, but it's you can't find true joy in anything that's external. So external things might bring you pleasure, but pleasure is fleeting. And joy is that like inner state of being that feels good. So you can find joy. <laughs> but most people, I would say, a lot of people, maybe not most, but a lot of people are, you know, plotters. You know, it's another day, another dollar. And, and, and they look at, you know, work as a necessary evil, you know, coming back to my bean counting. So it's, it's anything but a joy. I mean, do you have any, any suggestions for someone that really truly has a, a challenging, rather mundane or boring job? Hmm. Well, I always think that perspective is our greatest gift if we can mm -hmm. learn how to shift it. And I was thinking about when we were talking earlier, this one situation when we were on vacation in San Francisco, I believe. And my brother, who's six years older than me, was having a lot of fun putting his feet under my heels every step I took while we were walking. <laughs> and I guess I was a pretty patient kid because I didn't really react for probably like a mile or so uh, until he finally um, his foot got under so deep that I actually fell over and when I fell to the ground uh, he, he totally knew that he had pushed it too far in that moment but he was able to sort of manipulate my perspective because in the moment that I fell I was a a victim, right? I had fallen to the ground and um, I was hurt. And he said to me, he made this face with his, he kind of like pulled his ears out and made this like really funny face. And he was like, wow, Lord, like the way you just fell to the ground was as if you were from the magical monkey clan. Like only magical monkeys can fall with that much grace. And he was making like the monkey face and I just started laughing. And in that moment, the perspective shifted from I'm a victim who just got hurt to I'm a magical monkey who knows how to fall gracefully. And so that changed everything in that moment. So instead of being upset with him and telling on him and feeling bad for myself, I actually stood up feeling quite proud of myself that I was able to be, uh, I mean, I was young enough to believe that I was potentially blessed with magical monkey traits. I, I can't imagine being a magical monkey. Well, I think I was only like six years old, but <laughs> but it, it just kind of like stands out as a moment where perspective changed everything. So it could have been a moment of great despair in a little kid's 
existence, but instead it turned into a moment of joy. So it's it's looking at your experience and trying to find a, find a way to see it differently. And there's always a way. Absolutely. I'm just thinking too bad you didn't bring that up last week when we were talking about being in the, the psychological jungle and you could have brought up that magical monkey story. That's but true. So be it. We are invested today in happiness, but the magical monkey fits right in there. Perspective, that's what you bring up, and you're absolutely right. It's not life that brings us to our knees. It's how we interpret our lives. So whatever perspective you have, if, it, if it's not working for you, then don't, you know, don't be so invested in switching jobs or accumulating more money. Uh, the, the simplest and, and more economical way is to work on changing your perspective. Not so easy, but you have to stop clinging to negativity. You know, you take the person who, who hates their job, uh, and, and not only do they hate it, but they start to really hate it. And, and these are the complainers and the whiners. And, you know, you're clinging to that negativity. You're, uh, help me out here. Why does someone not want to let go of that negativity? Why do they get so in bed with it and just want to go on complaining, 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 and getting up, doing the same thing and coming home with even more negativity? What the heck is going on with that kind of person? <laughs> well, I feel like negativity does not feed well on positivity. So it's like a hard transition to get out of your low vibration negative habits because the moment you try to introduce some positivity, there will be resistance. So I think understanding that is really important, uh, that it's not an easy shift, but, oh, I shouldn't say that. It's, it's a simple shift, but it's not easy. So yeah, you can do it in a matter of seconds, change the way you're thinking, but it's but going to the feel distasteful. Monkeys, right? Yeah, exactly. Magical yeah. So there we go. So, so we'll tell everybody now from now on, if you tend to be a complainer, if you're clinging to negativity, we want to remember Lauren's magical monkey story. So everyone can become a magical monkey. How about that? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> How does the monkey go? <laughs> That's, That's it. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so we want to become magical monkeys. Yeah. Well, and, and there are some ways to do that too. Like, I think that, you know, they, I mean, they sound kind of simple, but each day if you before you go to sleep if you were to write down three things you are grateful for in that day call it gratitude journaling um and it you know that sounds like a silly exercise and yet they scientists have actually proven that by doing that each day and taking the time to focus on the three positives the three gratitudes that you start to shift the way your brain actually searches for information in the world and so instead of being pre-programmed as we all are to search for the negatives you actually reprogram the thinking patterns and you start searching for things that are positive and that just changes the way you see the world because there are always positive and there are always negative things to cling on to and you can kind of start retraining and choosing to see the positive uh, and then they also say that if you were to take once a week if you were to just journal about an experience that brought you great joy um, that actually helps you to relive that experience and it it starts to train the brain to feel those positive uh, dopamine reactions so that it's more accessible in your day-to-day -day life. Totally agree. And, and let me let me just follow follow up with that. What what I often use in, in, in therapy 
when I have a complainer, a whiner, it's not it's not um, you know uh, unusual for that person to sit in therapy and just complain, complain, complain. And what I suggest is is to this person to to go for a week, at least a week, and not permit their mouth to open up and make a complaint, because typically we complain to others. Sometimes not. Sometimes we internalize it and just complain to ourselves. But but the the complainer in a relationship, you know, this or he or she, you know, just whines and wants people to know how miserable they are, and and the complaining itself really has this negative drag on your own emotions. So I say to people, do not complain for one week. You can do this. This is just a discipline. You are not permitted to open your mouth and air a complaint. So what do you think happens? Well, by the end of the week, they start to feel differently. You see, because the complaining was indulging the negative, embracing the negative, and, and really becoming a, vic a victim of their own negativity and complaining. So, so I think it's very important that whether it's we're verbalizing our complaints or internally, if you shut off the complaint, if you stop becoming a complainer, then you're not reinforcing the negative. So, so there are many ways we reinforce our negativity. I mean, I'm sure you would agree with that. Do you agree that we, we inadvertently oftentimes reinforce negativity? Oh, yeah. I think we do it all day, every day, <laughs> unless we become conscious of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So, so, so far we've talked about personal happiness uh, where you have to release that inner joy. Uh, and we talked about functional happiness in terms of what you're doing. Uh, so remember, with functional happiness, the more you connect to what you're doing, whether it be intrinsically or extrinsically, sure, it's easy to, to, to love what you're doing if you love what you're doing, but it's very hard to, to appreciate what you're doing if it is truly a, a bean counting kind of experience, in which case, do the best you can because everything in life is a reflection of you. Whether you whether you count beans with some degree of intention to not make a mistake and to do it properly and to fulfill the role that you're supposed to be playing at work, whatever it is, if you do whatever you're doing to the best of your ability, there's there's a, there's a thing called self pride, and you know if you're digging a ditch counting beans. Uh, do it to the best of your ability, because this is a, a kind of metaphor for who you are. If you do something in a sloppy fashion or a half-baked fashion, it sends a message to you and who you are as a person. Uh, so imbue everything you do with a sense of this represents me. Yeah. And I think what you said earlier, too, is important about trying to find meaning in what you're doing, because human beings find a lot of happiness from meaning. It's something that we all are seeking. And so even if you are counting beans and there's no meaning in the bean counting, as you said earlier, like you can kind of analyze your, your life circumstances and realize that by counting beans, you're able to feed your family and there's a lot of meaning in that. So it's looking at what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and noticing where are you finding meaning and maybe even trying to find more places to to add that in like a lot of people find meaning by helping others 
you know, doing something to help the community. So next we go to a third and final bit of happiness and that's social. You're cutting off our happiness. <laughs> third and final piece of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is the end of happiness. No, no, this is <laughs> this is part of the triad. You know, think of it as, as a triad, a, a three-legged stool, if you will. Okay, all right. And I you're you're work. sitting on that stool now. Now, right now, the stool only has two legs, mm -hmm. and it's teeter-tottering because it needs that third leg for stability. And yes. that third leg is social relationship happiness. So let's let's all try to help Lauren get that third leg to her stool. <laughs> and so Lauren, will you? I'm absolutely sure of this, so I won't even ask you. But I would I would assume you believe that human beings are social beings, correct? Yes, seeking connection. Connection, and we naturally, from an instinctual standpoint, we we naturally seek to relate if other things aren't impinging on us. Do you, do you agree with that? Yes. So what gets me is that if we're if we're all naturally seeking to relate, you know, why is it that oftentimes you know we we are kind of brusque or or just disengaged or distant from other human beings? I mean, I, I remember this experiment I did while jogging, and I and I mentioned this because to me it was had a very profound impact in terms of my perception i would I, I would i jog along the streets around here and invariably i pass one two three ten twenty people and 99 percent of the time as i jog past someone they'll look down or away down and away from my eye contact and i i didn't understand why that was happening so i decided to do an experiment and as I would run by someone, I would say, hey, how you doing, and wave. So 99.99% .99 of the time, that person who was looking down and away would turn toward me with twinkling eyes and give me a big smile and a wave, hi, invariably. So people sometimes have to be invited into your space. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I would say so. I think that there's a bit of vulnerability that comes up when it comes to connecting because that fear of rejection is very real. So I think people avoid connection because of fear, but mm -hmm. connection is more of a love vibration, not a fear vibration. So yeah, I think people prefer connection. Um, and the thing that often will keep them isolated is fear. Yeah totally agree with that and fear vulnerability is 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 something that i think is it's just a class a deterrent to interacting with with strangers or with people in general so what what we can do about that is to in our own selves and our own consciousness is to realize that we can handle that kind of vulnerability I mean, for me to, to have started my little experiment, hey, how you doing? You know, I had to put myself at some risk, obviously. I had to be vulnerable because what if that person said, shut up, leave me alone, which which did not happen. But the fear of vulnerability, we have to we have to begin to understand, hey, we can handle that kind of vulnerability. So 
you know, true relating, you know, it really does mean you have to kind of get out of your head and you have to risk trusting life and people. And, and what about this? What if you, if you begin to take a leap of faith and trust that we, we all do possess this kind of, as, as Lauren might say, this, this, this joyful gene and, and really it's there in everybody. And, and it, all you have to do is kind of like tune, tuning forks. You, if, you, if you start vibrating one, the other one will vibrate. And, and maybe that will help us realize that you're not, you're not just knocking at a door where no one's home. That joy is in every person and your job is to get it released. Mm, I love the joyful gene. Yeah, great, the joyful great alliteration. Gene. That's you. You are the joyful gene. <laughs> the magical, the magical monkey joyful gene. Yes. Oh my god. Excellent. I'm supposed to change my name because I just got married. Well, it's been six months now, but I'm still have to change my last name. But maybe I'll change my first name too. The joyful. The joyful, joyful. What is it? Joy. How about this? When I say, and my daughter and co-host. The magical gene, joyful monkey, Lauren Simonian. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It kind of works. Right? Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, as for me, I, what about what, what would you say about me? Am I a, a joyful gene person? Yeah, I think so. You think? You don't know? <laughs> uh, well, I'm just trying to think of another creative name for you. We can't both be jumping joyful. <laughs> Gene. Reminds me of a, a BBC film I saw once of C.G. Jung, the Swiss psychiatrist, and he was he was in his eighties, and and the the interviewer said to him, "Do you believe in God?" And poor C.G. Jung, he almost fell off his chair. He said, I don't believe. I know. <laughs> so when I say to you, "Do I have a joyful gene?" I would like that kind of response. I don't believe it. I know you do. <laughs> How's that? I may be lacking in magical monkeys, but uh, I think the joyful gene. And I, and I would I would say that I have fought the good fight to get to this place of relative happiness. You know, I've I've gone through my struggles and I've paid my dues, and I've figured out you know how to make alterations in my life and my perceptions. Uh, it's all paid off, but it wasn't dumped into my lap. So I think it's important to realize. You said earlier that. You know, when you make comparisons that, that you, you know, by seeing yourself in relation to someone that you admire or want to aspire toward, that it provides at least that, well, what are the steps for me to get there? And I think that, you know, we can ask the same thing of happiness. You know, what are the steps in order to get me there? So we, we've talked about a few today. I mean, getting rid of negativity. Any other steps you could think of of getting to happiness? What do we need to do to start moving in that direction? Mm. You give, you've given some advice, some in your journal and anything yeah, else. Yeah, the like I think shifting towards optimism in any way that you can, even if it's just reframing your thought in the moment from a negative to a positive. There's always a way to do that, even if it's not intuitive in that moment, even if it's what is this teaching me, so that it's not no longer a negative thought. Mm -hmm. um, in school, we actually make like little glasses where the kids, when they put them on, they have to uh, only see the world through optimistic lenses. <laughs> so that sort of game is <laughs> is fun. But um, I think also making sure that you have social, not only social connections, but social support. So being sure that there are people in your 
in your network that truly understand you and support you? And if not, finding finding a network or a group where you can really connect with people that mm-hmm. truly understand who you are. And then lastly, the other thing I'll say, which you were just kind of mentioning is being able, having the ability to see stress as a challenge instead of a threat. So really using it, using stress as a jumping off point to, to challenge yourself to grow from it as opposed to seeing it as a threat. Wonderful. Oh, geez. I almost forgot. Lord, do, do you happen to know what time it is? Oh, do I ever. Pep talk. Self-coaching pep talk time. It is a self-coaching pep talk. And the key to genuine, sustainable happiness is to stop putting your life on hold, waiting for the myth of pristine future where everything will be in harmony. A good life doesn't start tomorrow. It starts now, right now. So stop focusing on what's wrong with your life. Instead, begin focusing on what's right in your life. And if you can't find something right with your life, then look again and again until you see the opportunities and the good that surrounds you. It's all about learning to live alongside your challenges not immersed, drowning in them. Having a better life really is a here and now choice. And what have you got to lose other than your negativity? I love it. You're sad and you know it, boo-hoo. No. If you're sad and you know it, boo supposed to end on positive, <laughs> optimistic note. <laughs> anyway, any, any quick we're kind of running over here. Gee, Willikers. Any any quick closing remarks? You said you're going to think about it every week. You say you never remembered to think of a closing remark, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say there's always <laughs> there's always negatives. There's always positives, and what you choose to focus on changes the way you think and then the way you feel. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that would be it kind of sums up everything we've been talking about. Yeah. And that was the joyful gene magical monkey Lauren Simonian telling <laughs> you her closing thought. Uh, we are so grateful for those closing thoughts from my magical monkey. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. And visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. So remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren, the joyful genetic gene that she is, and me every week, that magical monkey. (laughs) And let's make it simple together. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams Don't surrender